to Talk Albion, the West Brom podcast ran by myself and my dad. Uh, in case you don't know, and this is your first episode listening, my name is Josh Wild, and I'm joined by my dad, Matt Wild. Would you like to say hello, Matt? Hello, buddy. Thank you very much for listening to us again. Yeah, uh, a lot's happened since we last did an episode. Uh, we've had four fixtures played and an international break in between those games. So a lot's gone on. The table hasn't changed an awful lot, but our situation is looking a lot better than it once did isn't that right dad yes it certainly does after the last couple of performances and results results that we've just seen so um looking a lot better josh yeah and uh, at least there's a, a smile on the face for once instead of a, a doom and gloom so obviously since we've last done an episode we have played four games as i mentioned and that was against newcastle Crystal Palace, Chelsea and Southampton. Uh, we're going to be focusing more on the Chelsea and Southampton games today because they're a bit more fun to talk about. But in our Newcastle game, that ended up nil-nil. Do you have any thoughts on that game, Dad? Um, not really. It was a game that we all thought at the time that was a must-win must game, must-win three points um, for both teams, actually. Yeah. And uh, it, again, same old from both teams. Couldn't find the back of the net, and it ended up as a stalemate. So um, it didn't suit either team, to be honest. We we couldn't pull back up, and Newcastle couldn't pull away. So yeah, yeah, um, very stagnant game. No team could yeah it just cancelled each other out basically. Yeah, I think overall it was a much better performance than when we played them at St George's Park earlier in the season. Of course, we lost yeah. that game 2-1 and coming away with a nil-nil draw, although be it were probably a worse performance from us, we came away with a, a point more than we did last time. So I think that was the only improvement from us, I can say. Um, going forward to the Crystal Palace game, we lost that game, unfortunately, 1-0 as opposed to 5-1 this time. So that, that's a lot better looking at the results. Do you have any thoughts on that game, Dad? Yeah, well, certainly the first game that we played Crystal Palace, we had a player sent off and um, Crystal Palace went uh, straight through our defence with just 10 players and absolutely murdered us that, that, that day. Um, this was a completely different game altogether. I felt we had a few chances that we created, played a lot better. Um, we gave a penalty away early on in the first half and we, we was on the back foot for the rest of the match. Um, couldn't break Crystal Palace down and the result stood as 1-0 to a, um, I think it was Milosevic's uh, penalty yeah. in the first half. So again, we were, we are still desperate for three points. And um, that was a game that we really could have. But going to Crystal Palace away under Roy Hodgson is always going to be a difficult task to do. Yeah, you know, um, um, I, I was hoping for a draw. Personally, yeah. um, at best, I didn't see us getting three points from Crystal Palace. To be honest, mm -hmm. um, but um, out of those games, again, a couple of players. Um, that stood head and shoulders above the rest, being your Cuslow, Maitland Niles, mm -hmm. um, absolutely 
for all the things I've said about Sam Allardyce, um, I don't know how he's managed to get these two players into our into our squad. Mm. Um, they, they seem to be brilliant signings, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I eat my words. Yeah, I think that's one thing that Big Sam has managed to get really like spot on with uh with West Brom, albeit the results that they speak for themselves. But I think our transfers in January have really changed our season with Diagne coming in on loan, mate the Niles coming in, your your Costalou, I can't remember um how it said, but yeah, he's got the transfers really good. The transfer's really good. I think Diagne's chipped in with a few goals. He would have a lot more if he wasn't so keen on getting it in behind the defence and getting caught offside. But Maitland-Niles and Yokosalu, they've been absolutely rocks in midfield. A lot better than Livermore and Sawyers, um, I have to say. Um, so it's going to be a shame if we say have to say goodbye to them come the end of the season. But I think if we stay up, we've got a strong chance of maybe signing them permanently, especially Yokosalu. I don't. I think Maitland-Niles will probably want to go back to Arsenal, but we'll just have to see. Um, so anything else you want to add about the Crystal Palace game? No, um, like I say, I wasn't expecting anything more than um, a draw, Um, you know, so yeah, it was a 1-0 loss to the Baggers and all doom and gloom, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, well, that that brings us up to the international break and for once we actually had a West Brom player in the England squad. of course, we had other players in other international squads, but Sam Johnson going on the England camp was probably the most noticeable one. Unfortunately, he didn't get a game, but I think he probably got some really good training sessions out of it with some top-level coaches. And then the first game back is probably the biggest shock of the season for any team at the minute. Um, well, we went to Stamford Bridge and absolutely destroyed Chelsea 5-2. It's probably my favourite game of the season. For a long like favorite game in the Premier League for a long, long time. I can't remember like enjoying a game of football quite as much as that one. Um, yeah. But what were well, your thoughts on the game, Dad? Well, let's make no um, mistake about it. Chelsea are our top team. They're a top squad, mm-hmm. and to go a man down, it can be extremely difficult to play against, um, especially with a, a squad of the like of Chelsea. Um, And even so, for us to to come back the way we did from going a goal down in that game, um, I think the sending off was, he should have been sent off for the first challenge, let alone the second, in my opinion. Um, So I think there was a bit of favouritism towards Chelsea um, for the first challenge that the player made. And, um, yeah, the, it was just clinical, absolutely clinical. All the finishing, uh, the passing was crisp, it was sharp, uh, and it was a delight to watch, absolute delight to watch. Yeah, it was like watching Barcelona instead of West Brom. I, I can't remember seeing a performance like that from the Baggies probably since, I think, Burnley in the... 17-18 season or 16-17 season where we won 4-0 mm-hmm. like it was just everything was just so fluid Mateusz Pereira got two goals and two assists which is quite quite extraordinary to do in the Premier League um, I think Callum Robinson scored another brace against Chelsea like he normally does That's right. and we had Mbaye Yang score a very very 
tidy finish. So everything was just flowing. And I have to say, I mean, that it was my birthday a couple of days before that. And that was just the perfect birthday present to end it on. So thank you, baggy players. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was a great solid performance all around, you know, and um, I was really pleased. It was a it was a delight to watch. Mm-hmm. It, it really was, and um, th- that brings us on to the subject of stirring hope. Yeah. Uh, dare we hope at all oh. uh, after that result? Um, we're looking to the next fixture of Southampton. Is could we possibly carry that kind of form on and win back to back wins? Well. For the first time in a very, very long time, we did. I think probably the first time since... I don't remember if Darren Moore got back-to-back wins when he was with us in the Premier League. Um, but we managed yes. to get it. We got a nice 3-0 win at Southampton. Could have been 4-0 if uh, the VAR people knew what they were doing. But we got three goals. Pereira again with a penalty. Phillips with a, a tidy finish after a great assist by Diagne. And then Robinson finally scoring against a club that's not Chelsea. It's just brilliant, right. another brilliant performance from the lads. Well, listen, Josh, I'm, I've read a lot of nonsense on the internet uh, regarding the offside goal mm-hmm. uh, over the last few days. And yes, the goal was onside. Diagne was perfectly onside and... Obviously, VAR have given their excuse of not being able to draw a line due to Barclay's um, position and obscuring the view. Okay, that's their excuse. Every TV pundit, every person in football knows that that was a justified onside goal. Mm -hmm. And it may come to bite us at the end of the season if we manage to survive um, or get relegated by one goal. I don't think that would um, be the case. Though. I think we're quite far off on goal difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, but the, the the point I want to make is that a lot of people said if that goal had gone in and was given to the Albion, then it would have spurred Southampton on to look for an equaliser. Yep. Okay. Which is a valid point when you get when you concede a goal, it can sometimes stir, especially as early to, on, as, as early on as it was. But then you look at the facts that it was only um, maybe 10, 10 minutes mm-hmm. later on that we actually do get a justified goal, yeah, awarded, you know, and, and, then, and then two minutes after that, we score again, and then we score again. So where was the Southampton fight back? You know, it, it, you know, it didn't exist because we absolutely, it, it, it was a walk in the park, really, you know. So that that goal that was disallowed would, in, in my opinion, have stirred Albion on to go and score even more. We was in the ascendancy even at that time in the match. Yeah, you know, so that got that game could have ended quite easily as four or five nil. Yeah, and it's like with the Chelsea game, a lot of people are probably saying that because of Thiago Silva's red card, we wouldn't have 
probably got five goals. We probably wouldn't have got five goals, but I think we probably still would have scored a couple. Well, if as... you look, if you look, Josh, um, sorry to interrupt you. That's right. But you look at the number for our goals that we scored against Chelsea, despite them being a man down, they had eight or nine players in or around the penalty box. Yep. For all of the goals that we scored. Yeah, I agree. You know? So that's what, that's regardless was... of being a man down, uh, it, it, it took an, a it was an amazing piece of football to watch to to see us go <laughs> to score five goals in yeah. in that match. You yeah, know, that's, that's what I was going to say with because with with that red card being there, the argument is there that it would have changed the game. But I personally don't because we were still on the front foot playing attacking football. We would have quite easily scored at least one or two. I mean, you look at the foul that. Thiago Silva committed to end up getting the red card that was on the edge of the box after he right. just about shot so we, I think we would have just kept peppering away and eventually scored but thankfully he did get a send off and thankfully we did win 5-2 so I don't I I, 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 under, I like arguing about these things but at the end of the day I don't really care because we've already won 5-2 and we've got the points so we've got the bragging rights yeah so I'd much rather I'd much rather win like with 11 11 but if we win with them having 10 players down that's their own fault we've already won absolutely and we all know it can be a lot harder to play against 10 men than it can be against mm -hmm. 11 at times um we um, i won't say we was fortunate enough but we managed to uh play take advantage to take advantage play to the best of our abilities just like as we mentioned that crystal palace did against us when we had um our players sent off when we played them at the, the first time at the hawthorns um you know and you know i think what was it they they beat us 5-1 or something like yeah, that yeah 5-1 i think you it was know? Pereira who got a very controversial sending off yeah and, um yeah, the game changed from there. So these yeah. things happen. I mean, for, some teams are fortunate. They can go on to win 2-1 or 1-0 when they get a man sent off early on. But fortunately for us, we were on the good end of having the 11 players and the ones who were attacking. Mm -hmm. and, but as with Southampton, I think the biggest talking point of that game was obviously the VAR. But I think our overall play is what we expected at the start of the season and expected to, to play against with teams like Southampton or like if we had that performance against Newcastle, we would have probably beaten them 6-0 or something like that. So, Absolutely. So happening just a little bit too late. We all think at this moment in time, yep. we're eight points behind Newcastle. Excuse me. <coughs> um, Newcastle played Fulham last game of the season. We were all aware of that. Uh, destiny is for us is still very much in other teams' hands in this moment in time. Could we make it three wins on the bounce against our next game versus Leicester City, Josh? Well, I, I'm a bit hesitant on saying this, but I think we prob probably can. I think Leicester are a bit down in the dumps at the minute, like they normally have, like last year. They had a very terrible run-in towards the end of the season and they seem to be in a similar position now with injuries. Um, I mean, Kelechi Iheanacho is on fire at the minute. He scored, I can't, I've lost count the amount of times he scored in recent games, but he got two against West Ham at the weekend, so he'll be on fire. 
at the minute and he'll be wanting to get more. I think he's currently head-to-head with um, Jesse Lingard and Mateus Pereira for Player of the Month, so I'm sure he'll want to get a few extra goals to put his name up to the top of that Player of the Month category. But I think with the way we're playing at the minute, I think we more than likely could get three points um, and another couple of three nils maybe in the bag. I mean, you never know unless they can be amazing or they can be uh, a very like mid-table side, I'll, I'll call it. But they are at the minute in, in the European spots, so they are considerably a bit better than us at the minute, but their form is considerably worse because we've got two wins on the bounce, they've got two losses. So it's one of those games where we'll just have to see what happens on the day. I mean, hopefully we turn up and they don't, but you just never know. Is there anything in the starting lineup that you'd change, Josh, for the Leicester City game? For example, would you bring Conor Gallagher back into the team or would you keep him out? There's There's been a lot of talk about Conor Gallagher doing a lot of running, a lot of energy on the pitch, but not actually delivering any goods in um, the games prior to Chelsea and Southampton. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think based on form, I would keep the midfield the same. Um, I can't quite remember who started in the last game, but I would keep. I'd probably keep the lineup the exact same because why would you fit, try and fix something that's not broken? I mean, Conor Gallagher. You can say all you want about his form, but if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have picked up three points against Sheffield at the start of the season. Um, before the red card against Crystal Palace, he scored another goal straight after that game, and then mm-hmm. obviously the red card happened, and we. This game change from there so I do agree with him not having the best numbers but it's not always about numbers and contribution I think he does run his socks off and that should allow other players to make up for those numbers um, in terms of statistics and whatnot so I think he is a great player but I've, I personally wouldn't start him I would always keep make the Nars and Yokosalu in there um, I think we all can agree that Gallagher is a bit better than Sawyer's um, and it's always having a much better season than so, as I must say. Um, but yeah, I would keep it the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I think well, I can't agree with you more on that point, Josh. Uh, as much as I like Conor Gallagher, um, yeah, still learning his trade. And mm-hmm. I think uh, our midfield, as it is at this moment in time, with you, Kuslu, Maitland, Niles, Piera. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, that they're a given. So it's going to be very difficult for Conor Gallagher to get back into our squad at this moment, into into the start in the 11, I mean, yeah. at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have the, the very fortunate thing about he is here with us online. We don't, although we have probably get said, we'll give you playing time. The fact that he's going back to Chelsea in probably seven we'll games' time. Yeah, the fact that he's probably going to go back to Chelsea in seven games' time unless we sign him again means that we, we won't have this issue in, by the next season. So I think in some cases he is unfortunate not to start because I think he was player of the season. He was a big name for player of the season at the halfway stage of the That's right. of the campaign. So it's, it's just the form is against him at the minute. I think yeah. with the 5-2 win and 3-0 win. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I'll tell you something else I'm a little bit disappointed with is a, been the form and the lack of playing time that we've seen of Dean Garner. Um, yeah. I think at 
we all felt the same at the start of the season that he was going to be a bright shining light for the for the squad and for mm -hmm. the club you know give us something see a bit of flair um along the wing uh, yeah. like like it's shown in the championship and uh, that's not really materialized this season no. and um me personally i'm very disappointed with that not that dean garner's done anything wrong mm -hmm. um i think the He's been kept out of the squad and not been given the chance yeah. to show what he's capable of. Um, you know, um, so I'm quite disappointed yeah. so far this season. Who knows? He might pop up in a couple of games towards the end of the season and mm -hmm. show us what he can do. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Obviously, Big Sam has been working with him closely behind the scenes I imagine with training and all that so he's obviously seen something that he's not a big fan of I mean we only ever see him on match days and in, in training clips so we don't get the full picture right. I mean he he was probably my favorite player of last season along with Pereira he's on the back of my shirt as you know dad um, yeah so it's a shame that he hasn't produced I mean you look at the game against Everton when he scored that really good solo goal but then obviously Gibbs got sent off and the game changed from there mm -hmm. so we know that he probably can do it against the big teams, but we don't know. I mean, he could come be one of those clutch players for us like he was at the end of the season because I, I firmly believe that if he wasn't in those last in that last game against QPR, I think it was, we wouldn't have got promoted. Well, we would have because Brentford lost in the end, but mm -hmm. we wouldn't have got promoted because he scored a great goal for us and he got the assist for Robinson to put away. So That's right, yeah. I think I, think I would like to see him. But because obviously the midfield is good, playing really well at the minute, we probably won't see him make anything other than cameo appearances unless he scores a brace off the bench yeah. or something like that. But I think if anyone was to like make way for him, it would probably would be Phillips. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing against Phillips, it's just obviously he's a bit older. So I think if anyone's going to be dropping out the squad, it could be him. But then again, he does have the experience to come on. So it could be one of our strikers. And I think our formation at the minute is obviously two sitting midfielders, two attacking midfielders and two strikers. Well, that's the game we played against Southampton, if I the sort of one we played against Southampton. So yeah. there isn't really a position for him at the minute with Pereira obviously contributing so much with goals. Phillips has now scored a, a goal or the same, more goals than him this season. So mm. it's just one of those things, very unlucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, Diagnos Cross for um, Phillips's goal. Yeah, uh, against Southampton was absolutely delightful. Yeah. He um, after, after just moments after uh, missing a goal that I think that we all were screaming that it was going to hit the back of the net, and he mm -hmm. seemed to manage hit Rose Z. Um, and then he manages to to win the ball in the middle of the park and threads a absolute sublime crossover yep. uh, to the far post where Phillips met it and uh, it it was um, just shows you the kind of quality of player that Diagno is mm -hmm. really Josh that um, even after missing a golden opportunity uh, he's got his head together and uh, carries on and although he didn't score himself and uh, created a goal virtually out of nothing 
yeah by I mean, winning the ball in the position he did you know so yeah, I mean, you'll probably agree with what I'm about to say here, but that's the beauty of having two strikers on the pitch. I know Phillips isn't a striker, but you get that link-up play. You get that if one won't score, the other probably will. And I know you've been calling for two strikers for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, so it's just the beauty of that. And I mean, I'd probably say that Diagne is better than Timo Werner. I don't know if you'd agree with me on that, but he's certainly putting up the numbers at the minute. Yeah, it's... Uh, it... His goal statistics, again, are on good, but his overall play and contribution uh, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You know. It was a very similar situation to when he came on against Fulham and got that assist for Pereira. He sort of ran it down the wing, put in a cross in the perfect area, and Pereira tapped it in. Like He seems to mm. be... That's one of his trademark moves, I'd say. Yeah. And we, we spoke about the offside goal that should have been onside. You know, um, and the nonsense surrounding the decision to roll it offside when, you know, the, the reverse camera angle shows he was clearly onside mm-hmm. and there was no need to draw a line. Um, so we, it should be another goal up, up to the good there, you know. So for me, Diagne is uh, an excellent signing for us. And yeah. uh, he's, he's playing well, more, playing better than the statistics suggest. Yeah. I mean, if you look at United, he could have had a hat-trick against Man United He could, mm-hmm. and other games like that. So it's just his finishing could be a bit better. And for a striker, it, it probably does need to be better. But as long as he's playing his, with his heart on his sleeve, I'm happy. And it's yeah. the same for every West Brom player. So we're, we're currently eight points behind... Newcastle, but only nine behind. Well, nine behind Burnley and Brighton. So, mm-hmm. who knows what the final table will look is it, like? Is it dare to dream time at all? Bear in mind that Newcastle played Fulham last game of the season. So, either of those teams are going to come away with a point or three points. Mm-hmm. You know. So, well, if, if Newcastle was to get a draw or three points from that game those eight points are looking more like 11 points, which would mean on the current goal difference, Albion need 12 points out of the final eight matches. As well as other teams to loot. Like we need as Newcastle. well as other teams. We need Newcastle to drop all their points, basically. Well, to, in order for us to catch up or us to win every game to catch up. But if we look at Aston Villa's situation last year, although albeit has to be said, I reckon, I think Aston Villa had a much better overall squad than we do. And they've obviously got Jack Grealish, who was, who's probably one of the players of the season this year, mm-hmm. um, as well as last year, he was definitely their key player. But they were arguably in a much worse position than we are. So I think we'd, we've got quite a tough run in, I, if I remember correctly. I mean, in our next few games, we've got basically back-to-back Midlands, back-to-back-to-back Midlands derbies with Leicester, yeah. Villa, Wolves. And then yeah. I think we've got Liverpool soon after that. Yeah, we've got Arsenal, then Liverpool. Yeah, so it's not going to be easy. We're going to have to do it the hard way. If we could have got three points against Crystal Palace or three points against Newcastle, then by all means, I'd be slapping a tenner on at the bookies for us to stay up. But 
I think at the minute mm. I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, I ne- I never do for West Brom, but <laughs> um, it is it is very possible. We just don't know what what can happen in between the space of seven games. Yeah, d- definitely. So let's uh, just have a quick look at our rivals' next few fixtures. Newcastle United, as we know, their next few fixtures are. West Ham at home, Liverpool away, and then Arsenal at home, followed by Leicester, Man City, Sheffield United, and Fulham. Yeah. Okay. Fulham face, let's just have a quick look at their fixture running. Fulham face Arsenal on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Followed by Chelsea, Burnley, Southampton, Man United, and Newcastle. Last game of the season. Yeah, and if we go one above Newcastle, Burnley have got Manchester United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, West Ham, Fulham, as you said, Leeds, Liverpool, and Sheffield. So everyone's got a real mix-up of fixtures, and it is very much all to play for. It. It goes back to that saying, winner takes all. So, mm-hmm. I think if we can get three points, it's a big ask. It's a big ask, I know. If we can get three points out of the Leicester game, mm-hmm. this could put real big pressure on Newcastle and Fulham. Yeah. It really could. And uh, then I think it's... Uh, it's it, it's, it's it's anyone's game. Yeah. So this is a massive, massive game for us against Leicester City. You know, as you said, we play Aston Villa, then Wolves, big local derbies, to say the least. Yeah. But I think um, with Jack Grealish out of the Villa squad, um, anything can happen against Wolves. We know that. Uh, Wolves know that as well. You know, so... Could it, be time to be op- could it be time to be opti- a little bit optimistic? I think um, I'm, I'm definitely more optimistic now than I was in the international break. So that's all to play for. I mean, as long, I think the most important thing that we have to do, I think the players know this is we need to focus on ourselves. We can't rely on the other teams to drop points. We, just, we need to keep on picking up points, whether it's one point or three points, three preferably. But if it's a point against Leicester and three against Villa and Wolves, I'll take that. I'm saying that currently in the league table, with the games that Newcastle um, have got left to play against Sheffield United and Fulham, their um, final two games of the season, um, we'll need a minimum from West Brom another 12 points which will put us on 36 points for mm-hmm. survival. Yeah. Anything less will be relegated. So that those 12 points is uh, four wins by my calculation. Yeah. That's four wins out of seven. So four, four wins. Out. Is it possible? Could be. Is it possible? I mean, we could get seven wins out of seven. You never know. <laughs> Probably not. But if we listen, so. 
if we carry on playing like we did against Chelsea and, and Southampton, then uh, I wouldn't bet against us at this moment in time. If, if Sam Allardyce has got the dressing room rocking, mm-hmm. like he seems to have, yeah. then who knows what will happen. So when do we play um, our next match? We play it's our... Thursday the 22nd against Leicester at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, well, we'll just have to see what will happen. This is because Leicester are in the semi-final in the FA Cup. And Ah. the fixtures have been delayed because of that, I believe. Yeah, there were talks that um, I think Dean, both Sam Allardyce and Dean Smith were pushing for the Villa game to be played this weekend um, because of the change in fixtures. But that got denied by... I think the authorities who do it, I assume that's because every game needs to be televised at the minute and they couldn't get the coverage or an allocated slot for the game. Okay. I, I can only imagine that was the reason why it was denied. But if we if we were playing that game ahead of Leicester, I would have I would have hundred percent put a tenner on West Brom to win that game against Villa mm-hmm. because we are flying at the minute and Villa aren't as much. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. Very good. So, Leicester City prediction result. Josh, what are you going for? Well, I'm going to... I don't know. I don't like betting. Well, I don't... When it comes down to it, I'm always wrong. So, um, but I'm going to go for a West Brom 2-0 two, two win. You're going 2-0? Yeah. I think oh. Leicester are going to lose 2-1 yeah. to the Albion. Very good. Well, we Personally speaking, I think we're going to have, for the first time in a long time, three back-to-back wins, and it will define the rest of our season. Who yeah. knows, I could be wrong, but let's hope I'm right. Oh. If we do, if we escape this situation and stay in the Premier League, would you say this has been a a bigger shock than the 05 season when we stayed up then or a bigger challenge I, I should say oh it's massive it, it's it's a huge accomplishment definitely uh, from the state we was in uh, the performances that we've had to suffer the mm-hmm. humiliation results you know um, if we if it was possible if it does happen it will be the greatest of all. Yeah. Um, don't forget, we was the first team to ever have done the Great Escape, and being the first team to be bottom of the league at Christmas and then surviving. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done it before. We've 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 clawed back eleven points against Wolves to gain promotion to the Premier League in the first place. Mm-hmm. We're asking for one point more at the final few fixtures. And um, could we possibly do it? Anything's possible with the Albion. I've told you this since you started (laughs) following us with me. You know, it's not easy being an Albion fan. Um, We do do it the hard way. but, um, But these last couple of performances has given us all a little bit of pride back. And, yeah, um, a little bit of hope. Could we? That's the question at this moment in time. Could we? Is it possible? On paper, it's possible. 
it's yeah. just uh, going to be interesting to see how it pans out now. And if uh, we stay up, Big Sam should get a statue outside the stadium. That's all well, I'm I saying. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think the car park's big enough, but um, yeah, um, it would certainly be a monumental effort and uh, one that will go down well oh. um, with all the fans. Yes. I think people are turning opinion, certainly on the performances of the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. And um, proof's in the pudding. We'll, we'll see what happens during our next mm-hmm. podcast when we're seeing over our result against Leicester City. Indeed. Oh, do you have anything else to add to this episode, Dad? No, only that um, up the baggies up the baggies well thank you very much for listening to this very positive West Brom Talk Albion podcast um, we hope you enjoyed it make sure you follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Talk Albion and yeah up the baggies up the baggies <laughs>